This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Brad Kerner is a Harvard-trained architect who has spent decades looking at how technology affects and defines built environments. He has a specific interest in technologies like lighting and digital displays. An American based now in beautiful Amsterdam, Kerner works with both end users and technology companies. By his own admission, he's obsessed by the question of how digital and interactive technologies are starting to disrupt centuries-old thinking about architectural design. We met recently at Integrated Systems Europe, where he did a well-received talk on his ideas and observations. He later sent me the presentation deck, and it was pretty clear I needed to get him on this podcast. In our chat, we get into a whole bunch of things, but focus quite a bit on the terms immersive and experiential what they mean, and how they get applied. Brad, thank you for joining me from Amsterdam. Uh, could you give me a background on uh, what you do and what Kerner Design is all about? Yeah, thanks, Dave, for having me. It's really uh, it's an honor. Um, so Kerner Design is my own design firm, and I focus on sort of future of the built environment. I span architectural lighting, digital signage, and circular economy product design. Okay. And... What would be a typical engagement if typical there is such a thing as typical? <clears throat> yeah. Typical engagement for me is working with lighting design companies to create sort of sustainable products. Uh, I've been engaged with a few digital signage and marketing firms looking at trends in digital media. And uh, I'm also working with DC power folks thinking about sort of infrastructure level improvements that help both lighting and digital signage. So a company would come to you saying, we are thinking about doing this, but we don't have our heads wrapped around how it would all come together. Yeah, I, I speak a lot. I talk about the future of the built environment through a variety mm -hmm. of different channels. And a lot of people find inspiration in these pieces that I do. Uh, for example, I just spoke at Integrated Systems Europe on uh, immersive digital environments. And an earlier presentation I gave was called Every Surface a Screen, Now What? The year before mm -hmm. that, I presented it at Integrated Systems Europe, also on DC Power Systems. These videos go out there and they get people really inspired. You know, they start to see these industries in new ways. They look at their problems with sort of a fresh mind and they really want to engage then in, in an innovation process, right? A proper design driven uh, innovation process. So I help them sort mm -hmm. of do a future envisioning session. You know, what are the trends? What are the options? What do they have? Then we turn that into a sort of proper wish list of product concepts or new business concepts. And then we drive it into the roadmap where it's scoped and prioritized and they focus on that. Gotcha. I also then take it all the way out and help them with product marketing and marketing communications okay. for those new uh, launches. 
So they would come to you because you're not selling them anything other than your insight and expertise as opposed to trying to angle them towards how they're going to use a fine pitch LED wall. Correct. I'm agnostic when it comes to all of the technologies yeah. and uh, equipment. How You talk in your presentations a lot about immersive digital experiences, and I'm, I'm very curious about how you define immersive because I, I just wrote the other day about a, a company that described a billboard along a roadway as immersive, and I thought, yeah, boy, that's really stretching to call that immersive, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I think it's helpful for your audience to understand by background, I'm an architect. Uh, I have two degrees in architecture. And when I was young, I, I always wanted to be a Disney Imagineer as a kid. And that's what drove me into architecture. And then as the, uh, a side interest, I took up theater lighting and stage set design. So I really think of immersive digital experiences from that sort of architectural point of view where you you are in physical places, you are surrounded by, you know, six surfaces. And in today's world, all of those can become digital, they can become luminous, they can become a portal to the internet or to the digital world in some form or another. Uh, I've I've said this because I cross over between architectural lighting and digital signage a lot in my work. Um, that you know every pixel is a light source and every light source is a pixel in these modern building projects. And uh, a lot of people still don't quite understand that concept yet, right? An immersive digital experience is becoming sort of how you design an architectural space, and I think particularly a lot of architects and interior designers are really trailing behind the technology, right? They, they sort of look at signage as sort of a thing that's applied after the, after the fact, mm -hmm. almost like a typical signage project, you know, you know, yeah. non-digital signage. Um, they don't understand yet how to take everything they've been taught about architecture you know, placemaking, creating thresholds, creating progression, creating a sense of, of space or wonder or, you know, efficiency or economy for, you know, working environments or, you know, branded retail experience. They, they don't know how to take what they're so good at and apply digital to it and mix digital into that and use digital to create really, you know, engaging placemaking right? That's, that's what I mean by immersive digital experiences. You, you say they don't know how, but is it the case that they do want to? Some for sure. Some absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I, 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 saw, um, I saw Michael Schneider from Gensler speak at the Integrated yep. Systems Europe show a few years ago, right? And Gensler has a whole group now that's mm -hmm. called the Digital Experience Design Group. And, and this is exactly what they're focused on. And, and Gensler hired right. uh, the, the head of Imagineering at Disney. Yeah, um, Bob Weiss, right? So yeah. they, they get it, right? Now, mm -hmm. for every one of, uh, for every Gensler that's out there, there are a lot of architects that think of digital experience design as, well, don't put a TV on my wall that's going to show a Coke ad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't get it, right? They still think of architecture as concrete and steel and glass. And you know, like Le Corbusier's famous quote, it's the magnificent play of forms bathed in light, right? And I've inverted that many times when I've spoken. I said, well, you know, what happens when the forms themselves emit light and they become digital? 
you know, how are you going to design that? How do you design the element of time? And with the element of time, you get this sort of very active storytelling capacity within architectural placemaking, right? So it's, it's no longer enough for you to design a wall and it just sits there forever. You have mm-hmm. to think about how that wall will change over time, right? These sort of cycles of time, whether it's days, uh, weeks, seasons, hours, minutes, whatever that is, that wall can change dynamically. So why? Why will you change it? How will you use that for placemaking and creating engaging experiences? I, I don't think most traditionally educated architects and interior designers can really get their head around that yet. Even lighting designers. Lighting designers sort of have this sort of classic preset scene notion when it comes to controls. They're struggling with getting their heads around digital media and sort of that live data stream, uh, live media and sort of interactivity. Mm -hmm. But you seem to be suggesting that this this is a matter of time as opposed to maybe it'll happen. I keep writing and talking about how that time is coming fairly quickly when architects and people who design physical spaces are thinking about LED and projection and other technologies as design materials, as design considerations. Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable. I mean, the best science fiction has shown this for decades now, right? It, it's shown this amazing potential world that we can live in, in, in both mm-hmm. its sort of the positives and sort of the dystopian, dystopian views of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like children of man. Right. Uh, you know, I just spoke in Integrated Systems Europe and I started my presentation with saying, you know, the future is now. I mean, you know, you look at Blade Runner, you look at Minority Report, you look at mm. um, Star Trek and and all of those things that everybody kind of still thinks of as like out there decades away in the future is is now or in fact decades behind us, right? Mm-hmm. And people haven't admitted to where we are, right? You know, the, the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. And, you know, digital signage is definitely a world where that is super true, right? You go you go to the trade shows and, you know, a few years ago, Sony had, what, an 8K native resolution digital wall that was, you know, eight meters wide and four meters tall. And it, it was hyper-realistic. Um, you know, that, that technology exists, but then you go to clients out there and, you know, they can't afford at any budget anything, or they simply won't Mm -hmm. choose to do that. Right. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's inevitable. I mean, these architects that are afraid of it, I think what happens is, is somebody though, will put a digital sign in their space, whether they like it or not for other reasons. And, you know, the worst case scenario is it does become an ad, right. And that's Mm -hmm. not what they want in their space. So they better get their head around it and and integrate it actively into their design concepts and really look at the poetics of it. You know, how can they use, uh, you know, simple things like beautiful motion graphics, beautiful textures. I mean, just like an interior designer would make a, a material sample board, a swatch board, they need to mm-hmm. think of the digital media like that. What are their sort of swatches of digital media that they're presenting to their clients when they're designing these grand lobbies or offices or retail or whatever? Right. I, I wonder, though, with, with end users and with designers, it's one thing to have with Gensler, you know, they have extremely well-established company with uh, huge clients and everything else. And they, they work with Fortune 100s, Fortune 500s, giant airports and everything else. But there's a whole bunch of designers that are working with, uh, you know, 
like a, a regional insurance company or something like that. And they're just saying, you know, we, we get what you're saying, but our, our, our customers aren't going to spend that money. They, they, they want to define ROI. They don't want uh, something that's just artistic and uh, kind of ethereal and vague in terms of what this does. Yeah, I think you're you're talking a couple things, right? So there's first off, there's just you know cheap, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. you always have customers that can never be cheap enough, right? Um, but that's that's really you have to segment the market, right? I mean, there are always yeah. customers at the high end of the range that want the newest, the coolest, the hottest things at the beginning of the cycle. Um, you know, I joke that it's the sort of corporate lobby art budget crowd that always seems to have the money to do those sorts of fanciful things. Um, but the technology keeps plummeting in price, right? And a lot of this technology was indeed available even 20 years ago, but it was at such a price point, no one could afford it, right? Unless yeah. you're like you 2 going on a concert tour with an LED screen, the width of a, a football field, right? They could afford it. Um, no one else Comcast could. in his lobby with... Because they're a cable company yeah. back before streaming. Yeah, the Comcast lobby, right? What is that already? 15 years ago, right? Um, yeah. It's, like I said, future is here. It's just unevenly distributed. So the price points just keep coming down until they become more and more common. I mean, could you have imagined even a decade ago that every little uh, restaurant and coffee shop and donut shop would have digital menu boards? I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing how fast that swept through the the market, right? And, and right now, we have these sort of virtual production spaces, right? I think it was, what, just three years ago, The Mandalorian showed sort of the first instance of that. And um, there was that movie, First Man, before it, I think, was the first that used an LED screen in, in camera on film. Now it's everywhere, right? Every studio mm-hmm. around the world is installing these virtual production facilities within a year. Um, the accelerating rate of technological innovation is a term that's thrown around, and I don't think people understand what accelerating rate means, right? You know, mm-hmm. AI image generation six months ago exploded onto the scene, and now everyone is using it, and every designer is thinking about how it's going to disrupt them, and every content producer is thinking about how they can suddenly reduce the cost of their content generation using this sort of AI image generation. That that was just six months, that cycle Or increase their margin. Or increase their margin, right? Um, so I think with the the technology becoming so cheap, it's so uh, low cost to visualize the concepts. It's so low cost to design them, to commission them, to program them. That the hardware is continually plummeting in cost. You open up new opportunities, right? Like the menu boards in little mom and pop restaurants. You know, there will always be the sort of high end of the market going down into the middle end of the market and they will use these, right? And they will have very smart design teams that come up with real ROI stories for why these things work, you know, and it, and it what becomes fanciful and sci-fi uh, today or, or yesterday, tomorrow just becomes normal and accepted, right? It, that people mm-hmm. don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottom end of the market will always be cheap. There'll always be people that they can never save enough money or never be stingy enough. That's in every market, right? Lighting, oh, sure. construction, you name it. It's always like that. 
For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. You're suggesting in your presentation that digital, that the digital and physical worlds are fusing in that with physical spaces being portals to a virtual world. I'm, I'm curious what you mean by that. And maybe if you give me a couple of examples of how that, how that's actually playing out. Yeah. You know, let me go back um, to when I was uh, in school. Uh, I have a master's in architecture from Harvard. And when I was there, I did a thesis that was titled active objects, surfaces, and zones. And I looked at using physical interactive controls for retail displays and lighting. And this was 1999. So I was a bit ahead of the the scene on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the early 2000s, I actually believed that physical spaces would become the best interface to the internet, uh, which is, I know, a wild concept for many now, but you have to remember back then we were still using, you know, 20 inch Sony Trinitron screens was like the hot technology and people were still Mm -hmm. using three and a half inch floppy disks and dial up modems and, you know, but the internet showed so much promise and there was a lot of designers doing really amazing websites and that were very spatial, right? And even just the notion of hypertext itself is very spatial. So I kept imagining that physical spaces and using your body as the control and creating progression and threshold and a lot of the sort of architectural principles that you see in the internet experience could be combined together. But then in 2007, Steve Jobs launched the iPhone and Little Black Mirrors hijacked our uh, experience of the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, though, that I think people are over that and we're sort of at, absolutely saturated with personal devices and little black mirrors everywhere, the retailers are finally woken up to say, hey, we need that digital in our physical experience. And so is the hospitality providers and healthcare providers. And they're starting to think, well, wait a second. Now, now we can tie all this digital data to our spaces, right? And we can. We can take all this great media that we have on our little black mirrors and we can put it into our physical spaces. We can create these great experiences and we can complete this cycle of gathering data from the real world, using it to drive great media content creation live and interactivity and use it to drive behavior back in the real world, right? And it completes that virtuous cycle. And that's what I mean when I say architecture becomes a portal to the virtual world, a portal you can go back and forth between, right? The digital might come from into the space and the spatial actions might drive digital uh, data, right? Can you give me some examples of where you've seen this applied in, in, and you think it, it really, really works? Because I've walked into some spaces that, uh, retail spaces and other spaces that are called immersive and experiential and, and thought to myself being an old fart 
cranky and everything that, well, that's nice, but I don't, I don't see the point of this. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I struggle sometimes with uh, how, how are they going to see a return out of this? Yeah, I haven't seen many. Uh, just long story short <laughs> okay, is that I'm not alone. been a lot of, no, you're not alone. Um, you know, I think you just have this great divide where you have, uh, you know, for example, you have a lot of startups doing IoT smart buildings, right? And they're deploying all these sensors and they're gathering up all this data. But then they don't return that data back to the spaces. The data does very little to act on the physical space. And then you have all this great media content that's out there. Um, and, you know, you'll you'll throw up media content on these screens and it's not tied to anything that's happening in the space, right? So you has no recognition of if somebody's even looking at it or not, much more if that person is gazing at it or wants to engage it, right? Um, you know, there's been a lot of crazy stuff. You know, there's there's indoor GPS positioning using lighting systems and apps. That was a flop, right? You know, people have tried to tie app experiences into the real world. Not a lot of that has any real success story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see a lot of these sort of art-driven installations, or I call it the me in my shadow problem, where, you know, you, you can put a stereo vision camera system in a space and track people exactly, but then, you know, all they do is kind of show, like, the person's presence on some huge digital wall, and it's like me in my shadow, and there's no other point to it. You know, so you have to think about why you need interaction in a space, right? I, I say for lighting and digital media, you can deliver the right light or the right content at the right place at the right time. You can use it to create um, really memorable human experiences, right? Or you can use it to drive action, right? And those those are areas that are very, um, they're not well explored yet, right? You don't have a lot of good designers out there connecting all of those systems together to create, you know, genuinely good experiences. I actually worked with a, a startup uh, called DigiValet that that makes this uh, hotel room control system for luxury hotel rooms. So what they make mm-hmm. is an app that sits on an iPad, but the other half of their system is this black box that interfaces with every physical control system in a modern hotel room. If the, the thermostat, the blinds, the lighting, the media... Everything that's Bluetooth, you know, the Bluetooth controlled faucet on the bathtub, the Bluetooth coffee maker, the Bluetooth, you know, perfume scent sprayer and all that stuff. And it was great because they asked me to help them. They were having a lot of customers wanting, you know, these hotel chains wanting to develop branded digital media and lighting experiences as part of this iPad app. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was a fascinating way to think about it. So you're in this hotel room, you click, you know, I want to watch a movie. It immediately says on your, your iPad, it says, okay, well, can we set the lighting for you for the, you know, the cinema lighting? Yes. You know, can we uh, lower the blinds? Yes. You know, would you like us to order you, uh, you know, champagne and popcorn? Yes. Right. It, it totally changes the way you think of the room, right? You don't have... Mm -hmm lighting control pads and blinds and you don't have to you know find the the control the remote control for the tv it's all like having this really smart butler that just knows what to do when you want to watch a movie right right and, and then if you're you can a fre- add frequent flyer or whatever you you know you 
travel between yeah. different Marriotts and you, you use your loyalty card and it just sets it up in your room. So yeah. you don't even do anything. That's your configuration. Yeah, that's that's the next level, right? That's the future beyond that when you can mm. add in the CRM systems on top mm. of that. So it remembers your preferences. And then the next level beyond that is there's almost this genie-like ability where they begin to understand your desires so well that they can start to to add magic to your experience that you're not even expecting or the hotel can't can't do at a at a scale, right? Mm-hmm. Um I just think that that's fascinating, right? Like how could you take those principles of experience design and apply them into you know, high-end retail or high-end healthcare or even just a commercial office environment, right? Um it's it's a beautiful UX UI experience in a space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just desperately need to see more intelligence and creativity around using digital in physical spaces. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the, the discipline that needs to be enforced at the start of these things. When I've done consulting in my dark past, uh, I, I would try to ensure the first question out of my mouth that I would throw at the customer was, or a client is, why? Why are you doing this? What, you know, what do you want to see out of it, and, and so on? Is 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 that the sort of thing that needs to be addressed super early, so that it's not just, well, we we've seen these big video walls in other lobbies. We want one too. <laughs> Usually, my first question I ask is, "What's your budget?" But that <laughs> that doesn't work too well. <laughs> Can oh. you afford me? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it, it's both of those, right? It's what's your budget and why. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, first off, a lot of these companies have a lot more budgets if they want. They, they just don't want to at mm-hmm. first. They don't understand what is possible. They don't understand what it would cost. They understand the ROI on that investment. So it's, it's a real uphill battle. Um, and, and that's tale as old as time. I mean, that, that's an architect, you know, preaching an upgraded finish, you know, on the, on the oak panels, or that's a lighting designer, you know, preaching, you know, adding dimming into the system. It, it's just, it's always like that in these construction projects. Um, and, you know, you're right, the, the why, right? You know, you can have all this technology in the world, right? We, anything you can dream, you can do, right? So technology mm-hmm. is not the limiting factor. It's imagination. Right. Imagination is the limiting factor. And, you know, thinking more of like a almost like a movie director, right? Or um, the early stages of a, any sort of media content where you have to think in storyboards, right? You have to think in moments of time. You have to think in what's their journey, what's the user journey, what's the user experience, right? If you've seen any of these big design firms, they map user journeys, right? Throughout the, mm-hmm. you know, like the omni-channel retail experience. And they create these huge flow charts that take up a whole wall. Mm-hmm. You, you have to think about that in physical places now, right? So if you're walking into the shopping mall, do you put signage right at the threshold of the door? Well, classically, if you know retail design, you don't put anything really important at the threshold of the door because you need a sort of decompression zone where people charge into a space and then they slow down and then they look around, right? Um, you know, there's just a lot of classic common sense design stuff that is not being employed in digital signage and, and particularly in any sort of interactivity, right? You kind of need these 
these totally new combinations of skill sets that just don't exist yet, right? You almost need to take like a game designer uh, with a world-class architect and make them work together and see what happens, right? Um, you, you know, you need to take a, a, a Hollywood storyboard artist and combine them, you know, with a with a technologist and and make them work together and see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's what's sort of missing right now from all of this. And I think you have companies like, you know, Moment Factory and Gensler, and you know, there's some out there that are on that bleeding edge that they are trying to do that. Um, you know, here mm-hmm. in Amsterdam, there's purple. Uh, storytelling and you know there's lots of little groups that they kind of see the future of that they struggle right i think they struggle to see get the clients to understand what what the potential is um i think things like unreal engine you know and live rendering and that sort of starting with a game engine which is so powerful with live rendering is going to make visualizing these scenarios so much faster so much more profound you know instead of starting with a classic architectural sketch and then you went to an architectural photorealistic rendering but it didn't move now now architects are you know using things like unreal engine to make these animated you know particularly in the real estate the luxury real estate marketing firm have you ever seen what some of these really high end luxury real estate developments are doing for their marketing i mean it's unreal it's like oh, hollywood yeah. grade special effects from just 10 years ago mm-hmm. and they're using it just to sell condos um, you start to take the power of that and you add it into these, you know, very specific segments. So retailers have their very specific sort of customer flows, customer journeys and ROI expectations and hospitality operators have their very specific desires, healthcare facilities, right? They have very different customer journeys with Unreal Engine. Now you can tie together these professions. It's the first time in in my career that I've seen this flow is now complete, that you can use uh, architectural models in BIM into Unreal Engine. You can show these scenarios, you can animate them, you can set up the interactivity, right? Like, cause it's a game engine at heart. And then you can actually use that for commissioning these systems. I think that's gonna be the next step in all of this. But are, are people like architects and uh, those who design physical spaces, are they conditioned and trained and understanding about uh, ROI needs of their clients? Is that something that they've always had to address or is this new because of this kind of more mysterious ROI that you would see out of uh, an immersive space? Uh, it's a great question. I, I don't think they are. You know, um, I have two degrees in architecture. I was never trained to think of a business scenario. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, Again, it's combining different skill sets, right? It's almost like you need to combine an architect with an MBA, right? And to think about, well, why? What's what's the point? It's it's a real challenge, right? I mean, obviously, if you're if you're a high end real estate developer and you're doing luxury condos, you know that if you add marble to the lobby, you're going to get a certain ROI. You might not have it really calculated, but you understand your customers. You understand. It's going to help with sales. You understand that there's, it's worth it, right? You can't just mm-hmm. put chipboard and cheap carpet in. You, you got to do the upgraded finishes. But you also know where not to spend the money and you know, you know where you're, you're, it's not going to get return value to you, right? And there's, a, there's an intuitive aspect to that that you can never just you know, set up in a spreadsheet and you know, 
$5,223.32 is going to be your ROI in, you know, 32 days. Yeah. You'll never get that precise. And that's why you need a, a creative mind and a business mind, and they need to come together to figure these things out. But it will happen, right? You know, if you mm-hmm. create a great experience for a hospitality provider, right, they'll know it. They'll know it from the customer feedback, from the reviews, from the qualitative comments on that, right? And eventually that drives revenue for them. But those those sort of attribution problems for ROI is vexing in every industry. I mean, marketing yeah. goes through this all the time, but it's going to happen more and more in physical placemaking with these systems. And I think it's a skill, again, people have to get good at this. It doesn't exist now. And it's it's a tricky thing because it's combining several skill sets that have never really worked together in the past. And you have to fuse them together to, to really sort these things out. Yeah, I listened to a panel at uh, Digital Signage Experience, and I believe it was somebody from Moment Factory who was saying that in terms of a return, they're now starting to hear from the HR departments of companies who are saying that having an experiential aspect to their lobby and to their overall space is incredibly important in terms of recruitment and retainment of employees these days, that uh, particularly in technology jobs where you, you may have a number of choices as to who you're going to work for, uh, what that space looks like and how you feel in it really matters. Yeah, I mean, it's like in commercial office section, right? I've heard this, I forget the exact numbers, but it's like $3 a square foot, $30 a square foot, and $300 a square foot, right? Like three bucks is your cost of energy and 300 is your cost of salaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, should you be focusing on saving a few pennies of energy or should you be focusing on saving hundreds of dollars of efficiency for your employees and salaries? Um, mm-hmm. that's just the concept that has to be employed everywhere. There's this sort of scale of effect that is critical to ROI understanding that is often like uh, siloed, right? You get you get a salesperson running in with some smart building system and they're talking about saving energy because, you know, we're going to turn all the lights off more. Um, and they don't understand that that's going to create a really lousy experience for the workers, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to really damage effectiveness of the workers and retention and all that, right? Same thing with digital signage, anything, right? How If you put a big LED wall into, let's say, a commercial office, right? Okay, that's great. Are you just going to put a waterfall on it? <laughs> you know, is that, yeah. that going to help make your employees happy? Maybe, maybe it's as dumb as that. Um, but could you do something more sophisticated with it, right? Could you mm-hmm. recognize employee accomplishments live? You know, could you show employee performance live, depending on, you know, what, what your business is or industry is, you know, do you give people a pat on the back instantaneously? You know, there's so many scenarios that could be developed around these, you know, technologies when, again, when the, when the surfaces you're surrounded by become digital, you need to think about what they do, how they react to you, how do people react to those surfaces? What is that cycle of, you know, action, reaction. It, it sounds like you're saying that there's more to this stuff than eye candy. Yeah. You know, eye candy is great. 
I mean, I'm, I'm not going to argue against eye candy. There's a, there's a lot in this world that is just for eye candy's sake, and that makes a big difference, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is classic design. This is architecture. This is interior design. This is brand design, retail design. There's some of it's just eye candy, mm-hmm. you know. And and you just and people know how to justify that, though, right? That that's tale as old as time, right? It's it's making a statement. It's making a brand culture making an experience you know why does starbucks charge eight bucks for a coffee when you know you know they're spending 50 cents on it right well because they've invested heavily in how their stores look and feel and smell and the sound and you know there's just a lot of eye candy there right they they consciously Mm -hmm. built all that so that they could charge that price premium so yeah so for some of the digital stuff it will just be eye candy you know i joke like the waterfalls Can, can you beat waterfalls um, in terms of your media content, because it's mesmerizing, right? It's, it's biomimetic. It makes you feel comfortable. I think humans sort of have these deep, deep seated connections to natural effects. I mean, maybe you just mm-hmm. put a glorious, uh, you know, forest scene on your huge led wall and that's somehow the best thing you can show, right? I don't know. It could be as mm-hmm. dumb as that. Um, you have to test it, right? I think the other thing people have to get savvy on is that you don't just build it and walk away. You have to build it and operate it, right? And these yeah. teams that are developing these concepts are going to have to work with the the operators, whoever it is, to to tweak it, right? To look at, you know, we, we're going to make a whole bunch of assumptions, right? There's cycles of time. There's media mm-hmm. content. There's sort of the interactivity. There's all these new things that people have to figure out. They can simulate it up front nowadays. They can really, you know, they, they can go into the virtual world during the construction project and they can get it mostly right or pretty close. Um, But then who's going to fine tune that in the field over time or refresh it over time. Right. Um, Yeah. Most, most people don't even think of the media budget. Yeah. I mean, how many people forget about, Oh wait, you mean we need a media budget for all these screens we've built, right? They can't even do that. And it's a long ways before you're going to have clients actively spending the money to tweak this stuff and making sure it's, it's optimal over time. Yeah. All right. Uh, great conversation. I think we could have gone on for three hours, but, uh, (laughs) got to cut it off at some point. If people want to find out more about your company or perhaps bring you out to speak to their company or to a conference? Where do they find you online? Uh, They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, just Brad Kerner, K-O-E-R-N-E-R, or kernerdesign.com. All right. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with me. Great. Thanks, Dave. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 169, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. 
You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.